so we literally i signed everything i signed i signed people women's breasts i signed tear-offs because it was the amateur nationals in michigan that week that week so everybody was there Episode 124, Tank Slapping Podcast. Got a badass interview pod for you guys tonight. I guess it's our second Canadian coming on the show. We're going to bring Steve Beatty on. I've known Steve basically my whole childhood, man. I, I grew up with Steve at the racetrack, and I'm sure we have some funny stories to talk about when we, when we bring him on. But yeah, he actually rode for, rode for uh, Johnny Goad, and my dad was a big sponsor of that team. And a lot of people know Steve Beatty as, I mean, he's won like seven or eight, I'm probably wrong, but Canadian National Championships. He's won a uh, Grand National Main Event at uh, Lake Odessa, podium guy, top 10 guy for decades, national number 26. And then since his racing career, he, he's been doing suspension work for all the top flat track guys, mo top moto pros. He helps Meese Promotions out. Uh, with what he's doing good friend of a lot of the guys so i'm excited to to bring steve on and chat with him before we get into that i want to make sure we shout out our title sponsor of the pod mission foods really excited to have their support and their uh, interest in our podcast make sure you guys listening go out buy some products buy some tortilla shells tortilla chips support them they support us they support the whole entire sport the industry and it's really cool what they're doing and giving back. They are doing the $5,000 too, too fast, too tasty dash for cash this year once again. And they're doing a lot for the sport. So make sure you check out Mission Foods. I want to give a shout out to Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. The new Yamaha 23 trail bikes are, well, they've been out now. It's, <laughs> we're scooting along here pretty good. The 24s will be out soon. But make sure you check out their website, yamahamotorsports.com, Blue Crew Baby, Motorcycle, ATV, Side-by-Side, side Snowmobile, and Power Products. Yamaha revs your heart. Not a lot going on since our last silly season pod we did with Robbie Bobby. So yeah, well, let's uh let's get right into it, man. On the other side of the mic, we got Steve Beatty, man. What's good? Corey, buddy, what's going on? It's been a minute, huh? It has, dude. It's uh yeah, I mean, I saw you at the end of last year, but it's it's uh been yeah, the winter, I mean, I winter figured, months. I figure figure we better do this soon. I was catching enough kids from some of the Canadian kids that were like Dude, Corey says he wants to do a podcast, and you keep bailing on him, and you're such a dick. And well, <laughs> you know, they're they're pretty right. <laughs> I figured if I kept hammering you about bailing that one time, eventually it would catch on, and then you'd you'd have to come on and do it. But uh, no, man, you were you're heavily requested. Uh, obviously, a lot of the we have a lot of Canadian listeners. They they hit us up quite a bit. And they're they've been they're like get beady on. I'm like, dude, I I'd love to have Steve on. You got a long career, man. It's damn. You were at, yeah, at it a long time. Yeah. yeah. Like my first introduction to like AMA flat track would have been, man, I was 13 years old and I jumped in the truck with Johnny Parker and went down there and what an eye opener. Cause I mean, I saw stuff at the racetrack, but I saw some crazy shit go on at the hotel back then too. So, like 13 years old. I think back now that my kid's 14 and I'm like, man, would I send my kids to Daytona Bike Week? Even back <laughs> then, it was it was uh, a little bit different. Like, though, it was I just feel like. it was, yeah, it was crazy. You know, like the new frontier was the place where just the the shit went down. And like, yeah, would I do that now with my kid? Absolutely not. 
<laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, and then my and then my first my first race is down there would have been uh 89 well so i was I gonna ask did I, you did you do a lot of amateur stuff in canada like um like what well no not so much like uh back then you had to be 13 and the in the you know the smallest cc class in canada was uh 250 so pretty much I was in, you know, my first introduction to flat tracking was, uh, Medina, New York at Crusaders. Oh, no shit. So yeah, my, my dad was part of the club. We were there. I think I was 11. I was a late starter too. Like I didn't start riding bikes till man, until I was like 11. My okay. mom, we just wouldn't allow it type of thing. And we went out, we're looking for, you know, a 10 speed bike and came on with a Suzuki DS 80 and shit hit the fan. And, Yada yada yada, and it went on from there. So it was Crusaders, and then it was um, it was uh, Paradise uh, in Geneva. So I mean, we rode Geneva every Saturday night until I turned thirteen and was able to get my what they call your junior class license in Canada, and then started um, you know ripping laps on a two fifty Honda Framer night Framer. Then, so I did you know I did um, in the middle of those couple of years with amateur i never really did the amateur nationals like i would pop into the half mile say at uh wisconsin and the, the fast dudes back then was like pegram hill price those were some of the guys that i was racing oh, yeah. against yeah, in those classes back then on 500s and then uh rotor high and something like that jess rotor um i think i went to lima the one day they used to have an amateur big amateur event the day after lima and I won that on a 500 and, you know, people are like, who is this kid type of thing? Like, who, where'd this guy come from? So, well, uh, I guess you didn't, I mean, most Canadians are known for cushion half miles. I mean, every Canadian that's come down, they've all been really good cushion half mile we, guys. It's pretty, but, it's pretty much what the only thing we had, it's what we learned on, right? We just had horse yeah. tracks. There was like no stock car tracks in Canada that anybody was really going to promoting events it was like we can show up at a horse track literally drag it for 20 minutes and set you guys free well you didn't do i mean did you do a lot of cushions too because you're saying geneva and medina's a tt so i mean realistically like you but know, i, I mean, did like no like i mean i would i uh yeah i guess until i was 13 and then i was starting to ride in canada on 250 that i you know was starting to hit up all the cushion tracks and it just came natural for me that's it crazy. Is, is 13, easy. man. I didn't know. Is that, I mean, it's not like that now, right? You guys have. 50 no, no, they've yet. got, yeah, they've got 50 and, you know, 65s and 85s and youth and all that kind of stuff now. And, um, but I think now they've thrown a rule in there, probably similar to the U S is you can't be riding pro or expert until you're 16. But yeah. back then you could hustle through, like I could hustle through, and show that I was fast enough, move up from what they call it was junior to intermediate and then intermediate to expert. So I think I was in my, you know, 14 or yeah, I think I hustled through two of the classes in one year. And then maybe I was expert when I was 14 or 15, but I was riding an XR up here when I was 15. Yeah. That's, that's kind of crazy. Like I remember um, like, I think it might've been Nikki Cummings. I know for sure Matt, Matt Weidman, like they would come up there and yeah, everybody was so, like, riding was... Harley at 14 years old. Like, you know, it was... yeah. Like it started all the way back as far as, uh, as far as like the names, Scotty Parker was up here when he was 15. Uh, you know, then there were a couple guys in between there, but then there would have been like, you know, cool Beth came up and he wrote his, he wrote his Horace 
uh, he wrote his Honda is when he had the Honda 750. So he wrote his Honda 750 when he was 15 up here. Then Bigelow came and then Weidman came and pretty much everybody that wanted to go burn some laps that couldn't ride a twin in the U S came up and rode the Canadian series. Mies was up here. You know, there's a, there was a, it was a who's who, like even, you know, Moorhead and Rotor and Valala. There was tons of guys that used to show up back in the day. Like some of the races in Quebec that Buddy Ford put on, he would, he would pad the pockets for those guys to show up. He'd give them free entry and give them a hotel room and a case of beer. And those guys came up, man. And there was, sometimes there was, uh, you know, five or six guys in the top 20 that would show up That's from the sick. U.S. That, yeah. would, that would show up at the Canadian, you know, one of the Canadian nationals. I'm like, okay, time to do battle with the, with the big dogs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, but bet I was also cool. at that point in time, I was also full blown in the U S as say pro pro am or, you know, back then it was pro am not pro sport. And then we had the junior class. And because I already had all the seat time on an XR up here, I was the guy that chose to ride a seven fifty throughout my whole junior um, year. Right. Because back then it was, you could choose between a 600 Rotax or a seven fifty twin on the half miles and, and, I always chose the twin, even if it was a bit of a disadvantage, because I was like, man, I'm only in this class till September and I'm out. And then I'm going to get my pro card for Ascot in 1990. You did Ascot? Ascot. Ascot was my first ever, oh my, my gosh. first ever pro race. Damn, Steve, you're showing main, your age a little there missed, Ascot. And I missed the main by... God, I missed the main by maybe half a bike, three quarters of a bike. Hail beat me. That's so sick. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, I, was, beat me in. I was joking around today. So I was talking about um, Daytona um, Municipal Stadium and somebody's like, damn, you know, you're old when you've raced that track. I'm like, really? I'm like Municipal Stadium. That means you're old. I was thinking like Ascot, the Astrodome, like those racetracks is like. Yeah, I missed, I missed the, um, the original sick. stadium. That was over by the hospital. Oh, Memorial. Uh, yeah. Memorial. Yeah. I missed yeah, the Memorial yeah. by, I actually should have rode it, but I got in a car accident on Valentine's day back in, uh, whatever that year was 88, maybe. And I went down and watched at Memorial, but I had a broken back. Oh, shit. And so I couldn't ride. So then the next year it was done and they went to municipal. So I think I started the first year at municipal. Um, but yeah, no, it was super cool. Like that. I got to ride Ascot. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. It's epic. Yeah. That was definitely, um, got to ride it twice. Got to ride Ascot as a junior in the spring. And then they came back again in the fall. And so that was when I, I our junior national stuff. I don't know if it ended or I don't know how that kind of worked, but I feel like Springfield was the end of the points run with the junior deal of that championship. So right after Springfield, Strip the yellow plates off, put on the white plates, showed up at Ascot. And <laughs> it was crazy, man. I just remember going there and was that the last everybody... year they had it, or that was yeah, it? yeah, that was the last that was year. the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think Jones, uh, I think Jones won one. it. It was yep. you know, I showed up and everybody's like, Oh, you gotta throw a Pirelli on the front. I'm like, What? It's full blown clay. And they're like, just trust me. And okay, and then threw a Pirelli on the front, skinny wheel on the back. I heard that place Some, was gnarly. My dad always said you you weren't a real man because you didn't ride Ascot. He just would always joke around with me, and I'm like, dude, really? Like, what was so unique? I mean, why why was that place so gnarly? I don't. I, don't, yeah, you know, I have There's not a lot I of video. A, 
No, I guess if I was to maybe describe something from my feeling of it was think about taking Springfield short track, that type of dirt where they have that machine that churns up the balls that literally destroys your body. So think about taking Springfield short track dirt, a little bit more clay, stretching it out to a bigger track and banking it. And then, so, and then, and then think about, you know, as much traction on the front that you could, you'd probably never even rode on a Pirelli. You would only see them in the shop. You would only ever see them in the shop floating around from stuff that was left over from your dad. But Pirellis were like a knife, man. They would cut through cushion. There was no plow. There was no float. So just think about that on clay that you'd stick a front tire on that you could knife it and turn it almost like an ice tire. There was so much grip there. And that's what you had to run. So you literally were almost dragging your handlebars, whacking the throttle wide open, you know, getting your foot on the peg up and out of the way. And then shit was coming at you. If you weren't out front, shit was coming at you like shotgun. That's what I heard. I heard it was like guys would put cardboard under their leathers and it was cardboard. And yeah, I went home. I went home after that West Coast swing. And I think I was 16 or 17. I went back to high school. And I was beat to hell. I was black and blue and almost was bleeding around my neck. And they kind of they kind of question, yeah. They're like, I think we might have to call your mom and dad. I'm like, guys, come on. You know what I do. That's you funny. You know where I just was. Oh, like, look man. At it. like, what do you think they did? Wrapped a belt around my neck and kept pulling it tighter to make these marks. Like Oh man. Well, I'm gonna bounce around a little bit because there's definitely a few things I want to talk to you about. Um for I mean the era you raced in, like I mean, I remember you more in like the late nineties because I was you know I was really I was born in eighty seven, so I was really young when you turned pro. But racing, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties as a pro and flat track was like a great time to be alive. I mean, and ra- you know, so to speak, like a great time to be involved and race that level. Um, and you got to race pro all the way through the nineties, early two thousands. Uh, I don't know when you retired. We'll get to that event at some point, but you got to, uh, race a lot of different riders, but, you know, growing up as a kid in the nineties, you know, just watching Moorhead and Parker and Ricky and Will and, um, you, man, you raced with like some of the, the best guys to ever do it. And what was that like? I mean, like, like racing Ricky Graham, like, I mean, that's, that stuff for me, it, those guys, you know, I didn't watch sports. I didn't, you know, I didn't watch a lot of sports. Like you guys were my heroes growing up and just seeing those names. Like I looked up your, um, the results from 95 when you won Lake Odessa and the, the, the riders that were on that, on that track, dude, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, it was, um, it was stout back then. You know, I look at it from that whole, you know, era of me getting my national number in 91 and then carrying it through to, you know, giving it up in 2007. So I had it, you know, when you look back through the records and stuff like that, for sure, I was the guy that had 26 longest from the start of that number to, you know, still current type of thing. Um, So I had a fairly long career in the U.S., but I mean, I had a rough career too. After like 98, it started in 98 when I was getting hurt. But uh, yeah, through the 90s, it was it was gnarly and i look back occasionally some stuff pops up on youtube or something from a race and and it jogs a memory of how crazy that main event was of what was going on and again i used to say that you could have you know there were 17 spots in the main event available back then and 
there was probably 13 or 14 guys who had all won nationals and 10 of them would have 10 plus national wins each on the, in the 10. So like there was three or four spots at the end that was available to like guys like me or, or Sims or, you know, there was, there then there was another 10 or 15 guys like that that were battling to get those last four spots into the main event. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it it's crazy to think about. Uh, I mean, it's fun to watch like those old videos. Like when I go back and just like the the sights and the sounds and, um, you know, uh, Dave's of Spain and like the colors, like the bright colors and the you guys used to have all the tents, like the top riders with just their names across the tent. It was like a blank, blank tent with the name across and the helmets had like the custom painted number on the top. Uh, the leathers were all like everything about that era is just it's so sick to me and I didn't like at the time I took it for granted like I was just a kid going to the track you know I never never really understood what was going on but now looking back at it it's like dude I you know being a kid at the track in that time frame was was equally as cool as uh maybe not equally as cool but it was still cool for me you know even you know just watching so um yeah it was a it was a cool time to grow up flat tracking for sure like there was uh there's lots going on. The series sometimes was upwards of 24 nationals a year. I think maybe, maybe I feel like the most I'd ever did, there was 24 or 26 GNCs that, you know, one year. Busy. Uh, so there's, yeah, lots of stuff. You know, we would go out in California in the spring. It would start at Daytona, then go to California, run four to five rounds there, then come back to the Midwest and, and East and everything and South Dallas, all that kind of stuff all summer. And then Springfield doubleheader or Springfield. Yeah. Sometimes it was a doubleheader and then we'd head West again and we would finish in the West with four or five rounds again out there. So yeah. Yeah, it was busy. It was busy. And I think my busiest summer ever, I counted, I don't know, one of my first, first or second year expert. I did 53 races that year. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's, <clears throat> that's every weekend basically. Um, especially the for... Canadian stuff, yeah. you know, like my, um, when I was riding for Harley Canada, Obviously, they wanted me to, you know, bring a number one plate home. So that was first priority. But it was pretty good that I, most of the time, the promoters definitely wanted to try to schedule the Canadian events, not against the U.S. event. So I only really would have sometimes maybe one race conflicts that I would have to stay home and one of the ones in the U.S. So I could get the number one plate at home. And then my focus was always in the U.S. You know, like it was easier for me back then to win the number one plates, it seemed like. But what I was trying to do was win that grand national race or just top five or whatever back then. You yeah. Know, and let's the goal of let's doing see, that. I, I want to get into that. Cause that's obviously that probably the highlight of your career. I mean, winning, winning a national, like I've won, I've won like, you know, a bunch of production twins races and a couple of championships. And I've, I've said it before I would trade both those championships in for a, a top level GNC win. Like that was, always my goal is to win win a top level race and it, it just didn't happen you know a couple podiums but for you to win you know that that 95 race and honestly man it was a clay track so you got this cushion half mile guy who uh you know that's what you were you've you probably excelled at the most but um you know you were really well rounded as well like i'm you know you won you won lake odessa it was a close a clay half mile um we'll talk about some more results but you've gotten second on a short track uh third on like a brushed off cushion you know uh columbus yeah, is hardly a yeah, cushion yeah oh, okay yep 
Yeah. So you're, you were really well-rounded, but yeah, let's, let's go back to that win. Um, I do, I don't, I've never seen the footage of it. I, I'd love to see video of it, but I know you came from really oh, far man. back in the pack. You're so. missing it. Oh, yeah. uh, it, 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 res, it resurfaced somewhere that where somebody had um, recorded it just like took a video of their VHS thing. It was so, so crusty. And I reached out to mm. uh, Chet Burks. I'm trying to find it. Like I want the original, I'll pay whatever for it. Because like the last copy I had, Joe Cop burned one for me on a VHS, and then we're watching it, and the machine just chewed the tape up. I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> they don't even so, have VHS players anymore. So no. So like, <laughs> anyways, so I showed up that day, and I'll give you the quick the quick rundown. Um, actually, it was there was a regional the night before, and I still say that the only buddy that I kind of missed racing to say that I whooped on everybody that was the baddest of the baddest was Moorhead because the night before we were at a regional and we were in like a scratch heat or something like that. Sun's going down. And as we came off of four, there was a red flag situation in the scratch heat. I remember Danny, Danny Kallis was out front. He checked up and everything, I think I was maybe second or third. And when he checked up, I just swerved to the right and I checked up and then the sun was in everybody's eyes. Moorhead plowed into the back of me and got caught and he got his right leg caught between my wheel and my exhaust system on the harley and i was getting steered every which way but straight and i'm like what the hell it couldn't tell what was going on and next thing we're about to go into the wall and i feel somebody grab a hold of me and moorhead jumped off his bike grabs a hold of me and then instantly wham we turned into the wall to the right smacked the wall down we went he never let go of me had a bear hug on me because he was attached to my bike <laughs> so like we hit the deck and i'm like tumble i'm tumbling i'm like oh my jesus what just happened and i look over and he's screaming because his legs get burnt oh. so i literally like ran over there and i was all bashed up and and he's screaming to get the pipes off and i just threw my gloves to some guy who was there and i'm like dude rip the pipes off and the guy literally put his wheel between moorhead's leg everything grabbed the pipes and bent the pipes right off the bike so that Steve could get his leg out. So anyways, he missed that next day. So wake up the next day. I'm piling Advils in me because I'm beat to hell. And uh, just started the day out. And it was typical on 96. It was, you know, decent fast. It's starting to brush off, getting a groove. Um, I feel like my bike crapped out or something earlier in the heat race. And then kind of started running again. And so I had to go to a semi. But between the heat and semi, it rained. And it rained, so there was maybe a three-hour delay. And they went out, and they kind of wheeled the track and scratched the track and wheeled the track. And in, when I went out in the semi, it had became – you could ride anywhere, but it was it was fluffing up this dirt, and it was becoming like a cushion to me. Cushion clay. So it was yeah. like – yeah, it was becoming a cushion clay to me. Yeah. And I'm thinking, shit, man, I got this figured out. So I just found this line. <laughs> that was crazy fast where I was going in above the black and then, you know, before the middle or just past the middle, I would make a bit of a late apex and then shoot off the bottom below the rubber. And I can't remember if I did that in the semi or if I found that in the final, but anyways, going to the final and I was, you know, the track had gotten two seconds a lot faster. And I was like, man, I'm going to pull another tooth off from the main event because I'm going to go even higher. So when we took off, I think I was on the third row and I think first lap I was about 13th or 14th. 
when we came around for the first green and then just started kind of cruising through the pack. And I mean, I tell the story often because, and I told it to Parker the other night, we went out for dinner um, before Christmas and he was back there with me. He was running through the pack, not quite on the line. I was a little, a little bit lower, but I was following him through. We were going to the front and we got to about five, six and the, his drive stopped. And I was kind of like, backed out of the throttle because i'm thinking shit man i don't want to pass this guy because out of anybody out here this is the guy that will mimic what i'm doing and then blow back by me and be gone yeah, yeah. and so i checked up and i checked up for about a lap as i was with behind him and his drive completely stopped right there boom he was done and i was like oh fuck this um i gotta go because the leaders were getting away and it was will atherton pegram I can't remember who else was up there, four or five of them. But the video is pretty wild because as soon as I dumped Parker, I thought to myself, man, I got to go wide open for about four laps and dump this guy. So that four lap wide open open sprint fired me into the lead pack. <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, man, now what do I do? I got to go like <laughs> wide open for another five laps to dump these guys. So I literally was absolutely singing the thing. And my brake rotor was cherry red, like as red as Cool Beth or Johnson would do. Just because I was holding on the rear brake, wide open on the throttle. I'd literally check up about three quarters of the throttle, leave the brake on going in, and then dump the brake back to wide open. <laughs> so that's how it was going. And I was going around everybody going in and then looking over my left shoulder, make sure I wasn't going to T-bone somebody from the outside and cut back down through the pack. And that's how it was. It went like from, I went from fifth to the lead in two corners from an outside, inside, outside move. Wow. And uh, yeah, I was like, okay, I got to go wide open. <laughs> so I'm like, I'd love to see I'm it. Pushing. It's sick because I'm pushing the cushion and I'm pushing it and I'm pushing, I'm pushing it. And there's no wall there on 96. So no, you it's run up, off. Yep, you're in the cornfield. Yep. Yeah. You're like, you come back with corn, hus corn husks everywhere. And um, after so you the checked out, event, right? Or Yeah, I checked out. I was gone. Yeah, I, I was like, had a full straightaway or more and uh, just kept doing what I was doing. Wasn't looking back. I was just like, man, I'm just going to keep and praying that this motor stays together. But somewhere along the lines there, I got really, really close to running off the track. Like I remember going, holding my breath, going, no, no, no. And didn't. And on the cool off lap, I went to look and I was probably six inches from dropping my rear wheel off the banking. And we're doing hero zero. Hey, it paid <laughs> off, man. That's awesome. Oh, no, it was pretty sick. It was, uh, it was one of those things where I was just like, man, it was so e easy. Like, I wasn't even, I wasn't winded. I could have done 50 laps at that pace. And uh, it was, um, I don't know. I just It's crazy how it works out. Like, the, the easiest yeah, when you only ever win when you win. Yeah. yeah, when you only ever win one, you're like, man, that was dumb because it was the easiest. Like, sometimes <laughs> yeah. I come off of, come off of a 15th place finish. At the I know. Event, <laughs> and you're absolutely gassed, punched. Yeah. <laughs> like, your foot's on fire because <laughs> you've been dragging it around the dragging it around you're not putting on the bag enough and like your steel shoe gets so hot you remember those days oh yeah and, it's, uh, it's just funny yeah. how you, like when you describe it I've, I've had those days where you're just literally riding around it's like what the fuck's everybody doing and then like the yeah danger, that's it yeah it's that's crazy it. so it was oh that's and, awesome that's uh, yeah it's it was pretty it was pretty cool so yeah it was uh it was and then there's more to that weekend because it was I, again it was one of those times when i would do like a friday saturday sunday so we literally, I signed everything. I signed, I signed people, women's breasts. I signed tear offs because it was the amateur nationals 
in Michigan that week, that week. So everybody was there. It's pretty cool to win one in Michigan too. Cause that's like flat track central, you know, like, I mean, it yeah, was that's packed. what Parker was saying, you know, Parker was like, man, he says, I never won a race in, in Michigan. I never won oh, no you know, shit. six because you pimped me on it. And then, Oh God, I don't know who else pimped him next year. He got second or something, but uh, yeah, his drive went from, he was like, like I said, he got to about fifth or sixth and then he ended up like 12th that night. He went backwards. That's crazy. He uh, never won in Michigan. It just <laughs> no. I'll tell you saying never won in Michigan. Four of his wins, none in Michigan. <laughs> yeah. So I so we loaded up, you know, got everything done, loaded up, and went to Norwalk for another what they called, you know, the regional series back then. Ohio, yep. And uh and that was in Moorhead's backyard or uh, Rotor's backyard. So I was bagged, man. I drove all night, spoke on the old big bag phone or whatever we had back then. It was like cell phones were just starting to roll. And uh Showed up at Norwalk, was too tired to go out for practice. I'm like, man, I'm just going to chill and have a nap under the truck. Wake me up when it's time to go out for a heat race. And I'm like, flip the motorcycle around, like do this, do this, do that. And then I'll be ready. So I go out in the heat race, dump the clutch, <laughs> kind of got smoked. I'm like, okay, uh, change this, this, and this. Um, and they'll be, I'll be ready for the main event. We're good. So, <laughs> and I have a crazy story about this night or this day too, because it's a day race. So I go out and the start line is completely rutted left or like all the way from the bottom to the right. So I'm going to start all the way to the left where there's no rut for some dumb reason, I figured. And when I dump the clutch, the thing turns immediately left and I'm completely out of control. And I almost smoked the flag. Uh, the guy had a box with all of his flags in it, the starter guy back then. And I literally, and I've got pictures of it because I tell the story, but I think people sometimes be like, man, BD tells so many stories. He's so full of shit. <laughs> but this picture, this this uh, picture sequence shows up on the internet a couple of years ago of this start. And I was like, no shit. And it was, um, oh man, who's the guy that ran around with Coast with the super long beard? Oh, Engelhart. You from? Yeah, Engelhart. Tom so Engelhart, Engelhart yeah. Pictures from when he, yeah, when he was younger, he uh -huh. snapped these pictures. So he throws them up on Facebook and I was like, there it is. There's the story that everybody's like, you're full of shit. Anyways, almost smoke the flag stand, get the bike in control. By the time I get into turn one, I'm dead ass last. Everybody's long gone. And I'm thinking, man, you're such a tool. You just won I-96 last night. And look at you. Such a squid. And don't click the thing into fourth gear. I don't think I shut it off for the next four laps. And on lap five, I passed Rotor going through one and two for the lead. And uh, I and I won that one by a straightaway. Kenny Coolbest's dad was there that night or that day and was there the night before. And he comes up to me and he says, Matt, he says, you did like made I-96 look pretty crazy cool last night. But today, he says, I feel like you could have brought anybody and everybody in the era of the last 20 years and you would have smoked them. It was <laughs> exact badass. words from his, yeah, big kid. <laughs> George, big kid. and uh, Georgie Price comes over, storming over, and I'm thinking, man, I didn't, I didn't, I passed everybody on the outside, so I don't see how I could have pissed this guy off. So I don't know what he's storming over to me for, and he's, he's like, he's fuming, and he looks at me and he goes, you, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I'm like, Georgie, dude, what's up? He says, 
I've never <laughs> been passed by somebody that fast going into turn three in my life ever. <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> oh yeah, that was. I yeah, really he, was like, George is a big guy, so when he's coming to your pit, you definitely. Uh, oh yeah, man, did I, I, did I like, hit oh, him? Get... <laughs> yeah, that was it. I was thinking to myself, no, 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 no. Like I passed everybody around the outside. So what is this dude all fired up about? And uh, <laughs> that's amazing. just like that's insane. Oh, I like Corey. I. That's a badass weekend. Yeah, I went back to the just a crazy from the huge gnarly crash. You know, tore my shit up. Um, to winning and then you know being a fool on the start and then smoking everybody in that one it was one of those weekends i'll never forget but i was so bagged i literally parked the bike at the truck and undressed and went into the cube gun and went to sleep so just take me home that's awesome <laughs> i said i'm done man take me home yeah I, I love hearing stories like that it's uh yeah it's freaking awesome because i was man i was dude i was 95 i was just a young buck so i didn't get to see I don't remember much of it. I, you know, I got to be around the pits and everything, but it was just different to, uh, to like racing it. But did you like even amateur days or up through your early years or even your later years, did you, um, did you have any major rivals, like guys that you absolutely hated racing with? Like Robbie Bobby, he's got a segment. He's, he calls it fuck that guy. I mean, did you have that guy where you just week in and week out, you just did not like, like racing there? Um, there was guys that I didn't care to ride with. There was guys that we had rivalry because we were known to be fast on the same racetracks, you know, like, you know, I'd have to say, you know, growing up on the cushion tracks and in and out of Ohio, Rotor and I never really saw eye to eye, never had a really big problem with them, never had any nastiness on the racetrack, but it was just like, there was some dirty battle sometimes to where, um, yeah, it was just like, man, you know, fuck that type of thing Dicey. and uh yeah yeah and i mean evans evans was evans was pretty sour for a while there when i was a kid growing up i think you know i i got the harley ride from corn dog when i was 15 like just turned 15 type of thing and maybe he felt that that should have been somewhat sent his way or something when corn dog jumped out i don't know but he was you know he and i didn't see eye to eye for a while and and now we're best of buddies, but we were even in the later years, you know, when we both were racing more so in the U S a bit. And I'm like, Hey dude, we're not really racing each other anymore. We're racing the, you know, the Americans. So let's just knock the shit off. Um, yeah, there was, I mean, there was a little bit of a time there where some people would call me bam, bam, beady only because I was, I was kind of tired of getting pinballed around for a bit. And like kind of riding like the nice guy. And so I was like, you know, fuck this, you know, just knock a couple of dudes on their ass and get that. Let them know. Of, <laughs> yeah. Just kind of get that, get yeah. that out there that, you know, you don't want to smack that guy. Cause he'll literally tee up the very next corner. So yeah, it was, yeah. that was, yeah. And I just got tired of some of that, you know, just being the Canadian guy or not, not the dude that can win every weekend or not even top five every weekend was just kind of there, but was just tired of getting pinballed around sometimes and so well the guys um, that you raced with i mean um the ones you mentioned like rotor and and moorhead and and uh even the boys up in canada like the cushion tracks it, it like it requires a more aggressive ride style anyway so oh, for sure it, there's more shit that's bound to happen when you're you know slicing each other's lines off and roosting each other it's not like you're you know you're morehead putting around on the clay track. flat flat cleared me off my xr at uh orville ohio the night before lima and 
they, my bike caught on fire. Like it was just crazy. And, uh, and the bike I had to ride the next, the next night and I got fourth on it, you know, I got fourth at Lana the next day. Um, but anyways, he cleans me out and it wasn't like I was going to go, you know, piss him on to the AMA, but the AMA came to me and said, Hey, you know, do you want to do something about that? Cause it was pretty blatant. And I said, nah, it's all good. He's got one coming. And I just said to him, I just went over to, went over to him. Cool as a cucumber. was like, Hey dude, just remember that when I lay your ass on the ground somewhere, do not get in my face. I said, it's pure payback. And I can't remember if I ever got the chance to do it, but I certainly was willing to do it type of thing. You know what? Those guys were awesome though. Like when I was growing up, Moorhead and Parker and Jones and, and uh, that, those guys for sure, those three guys, uh, Springer, you know, 10 plus years older than me, right around 10 years older than me, I think. Um, I could ask them questions and I never got, I never got, you know, steered the wrong way with that, with those guys. They were pretty awesome to help guide me, um, you know, with anything back then. Just, yeah. And I would ask questions, right? It was like, man, it's just the Canadian guy down here on a smaller budget trying to get it done. And so I would ask those guys questions and they, they became good friends and, uh, they still are, you know, they're still super good friends, those dudes. And I don't, yeah, I don't think I've made, I don't, you know, to answer your question, to finish off on that, I don't think really I have any big, big enemies type of thing. And nobody that I, that I, you know, carry on now and go, oh, I hate that son of a bitch. I still hate that son of a bitch. Yeah. I think, I think so, as everybody gets older, you start to kind of lose that edge a little bit toward people and, you sort of like learn to appreciate your peers a little, a little bit more as you get older. I, I notice it, <clears throat> sorry, with myself and even with other guys too, like people I never thought I'd be friends with, like in my rookie years or whatever that, I, you know, I end up, you know, texting or chatting or, uh, you know, I, and, and people grow old, they get family, they have families and everyone yeah, it changes. Everybody, everybody. Yeah, that's it. Like even people would say that I was an asshole growing up and it wasn't so much that I was an asshole. It was just that I, took what I was doing fairly serious. I was one of the Canadians that have been around the longest. And I'd say, because I actually, you know, was serious and, and I had that drive to be down in the U S and try to win, win races and, you know, get better finishes week in and week out for the, for the championship at the end. Um, and I just had that drive for many, many years to get it done. I had the motivation and, um, yeah, you, you see people as they grow up and change like you know in 2002 i rode for johnny at the same time that was your dad was backing the team your dad and, and grandpa tex was backing the team jared was my teammate and he was 16 so i was 31 maybe 30 or 31 um jared comes in at 16 you know he's just the new hot shoe kid and uh doubling a bag of hammers back then and he uh <laughs> he's the classic one is i've got all my food set over there my helmets is my table and i go do something to come back and he's just sitting down chowing down on my bananas and eating everything i got over there i'm like whoa 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 hey bud what are you doing i'm like he's like what i go that's my stuff did you bring any food well no didn't know i had to hey go to put another mouth of another you know another mouthful of banana and i grabbed the banana out of his hand i'm like hey and i took my heel and i drew a line through the pit area i'm like <laughs> that's your side bro you get over there 
and don't come back to this side. If I see you over here, I'm whoop your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, like I was such an asshole to him. But again, like kind of had to. He was the young guy who was coming to take my ride. Yeah. So, yeah. And I didn't it, want to just roll over. And say, oh, yeah, man. Come on in. Yeah, I know you can have some food. Like, <laughs> Uh, I want to give a shout out to Dunlop Motorcycle Tires for sponsoring the pod. Check out their website, DunlopMotorcycleTires.com, 19-inch and 17-inch flat track tires. Uh, that's kind of the era that I met you, obviously. Um, knew you well. Yeah, you were, out and... you were, uh, how old were you then? If that was uh, in, say, 2000. Know, like 12, probably. Like that's what I thought. 12, yeah, that would be, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was young, but, uh, yeah, you, I mean, I would, I would come to the, a lot of the races and hang out. We'd sit on the motorhome and uh michelle would take times and yeah yeah you you remember the i i thought she was your mom by accident (laughs) (laughs) you did too yeah she'll laugh when she hears that i still didn't know like you guys were cracking up when i asked that i didn't understand at the time i was like such a naive young kid i'm just like I don't know. Like I, she had like sunglasses on and she just looked and you look really, you look, you look really young for your, I mean like me. And I was like, you know, yeah. you know she's taking your times and I thought it was your mom. It's your wife. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Definitely not the <laughs> you know what? That's funny. Cause like, I, I wouldn't have remembered that until you sparked that one. I'm like, yes, hundred percent. I do remember. Cause we just cracked up laughing. Yeah. It was yeah. not, not the move. And I think like Biggs's mom hung out. Well, I think it was Biggs's mom hung out like she was taking times and I knew that yeah, was yeah, they were buddies. Yeah. I knew that was Biggs's mom. And then Michelle, I knew she was like with you. And I figured like the moms were just taking lap times. Like Sarah Goad took time. Oh, that's it. Like, I don't think yeah. people really knew, you know, like I looked like I was baby faced. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really looking was. back at it now, I'm like, Holy fuck. I can't believe I said that. But, uh, <laughs> but then my kid now he says some he says some shit he definitely shouldn't say so it's like ah, okay well it's a case yeah it's all legit yeah um yeah. i got a couple more questions for you i definitely want to ask you um you know there's so many really good obviously over the years canadian flat track racers and i like to pull out the mount rushmore thing a lot of the listeners give me shit for it but if you had to put four guys on the canadian you guys don't have like a Mount Rushmore in Canada, right? So uh, no. if, if you had to do <laughs> but like, do, a, but I do know what Mount Rushmore is. Yeah, so of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So top four, like you either put four guys on that, on that mountain, like, you know, and I was, I was thinking like, oh, this would probably be kind of easy. And I'm like, ah, there's like seven or eight, like that I would, I'd have a tough time with. So yeah. What but is yeah, uh, If you want to start back, if you want to start back before my era, you know, like probably, you know, the guy who's got the most stats of the wins is uh, Dave Sale. So Dave Sale rode for the factory um, back in the 70s. And yeah, he, I don't know what his win list is, whether it be like four, five, seven, somewhere around there. I was short of 10, but maybe plus five. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Dave's got the most on the win list. Uh, then it goes just a bunch of us all singles be uh Asseltine next with a win when he won Daytona. Yep. Um and that was pretty that was pretty badass. I've itself. seen that one. That was, I've seen that. Yeah, video. that was pretty yeah, cool that one. And then and then it was me. I'm just trying to think of I've I've forgotten anybody. So it would have been Dave Sale, Asseltine, me. Corndog never got a win. Um, I think Tom, his best Dominic. he was maybe 
Yeah, then it was Dominic, then it was Evans. Or no, Evans won before Dominic, right? I think Dominic uh, was like 06 yeah, yeah, or yeah, 07. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. Evans, yeah, Evans, then Bullock. Uh, that's it, right? Yeah, and then, I mean, bad. if you go off just wins or if you go off, like like you said, Corndog, like he was one, like, and I don't know the Canadian history as well as you do, obviously, but I was thinking like Corndog is probably, you know, the amount of things he's done. And then, yeah, and then you look at like the newer school guys that have had long, good careers consistently, you know, up front, like Dougie and Don. And um, there's been a lot of guys, obviously they don't have the wins, but um yeah, just... yeah, they didn't. They didn't chase like those guys didn't really chase the full series either. You know, they weren't committed, if you want to call it that. So, you know, Dougie was Dougie did a lot of them, but Dougie would miss Peoria. He would skip Peoria. He would skip. You know, if it was a TT, he would sometimes skip the TTs. Right. Uh, yeah, like I don't think he's ever ridden Peoria. I don't think Taylor's ever ridden Peoria. Maybe he has. Yeah. But for some reason, I don't think he has. You know, so. Um, yeah, like those guys weren't just kind of all in. Like Evans, same thing. Evans was just a part-time dude. He never chased the full series like I Dominic did. too. Yeah, I mean Dominic did. Dominic so. never did. No, like those he, guys never, never did the full commitment to say I'm in on every track they throw at me for the long haul. Do you see Dominic yeah. much? I just saw him last summer. You guys cool or? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just built some suspension for him. He was that guy's uh, funny, was a, dude. He's funny. There was a Canadian ice race last weekend or two weekends ago, like a big one up in up in his neck of the woods, and um, he Pascal Picot built him uh like a seventy two horsepower gas gas four fifty. <laughs> I don't think it was a four fifty. Obviously, it was something bigger than a four fifty, which the class limits seven hundred. So maybe it was like a six ninety nine. He said know. he's he but, said he's coming to watch Daytona. He hit me up and yeah, asked me yeah, about yeah. yeah I was like, "Are you racing?" So he's like, rode, "No, just watch." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So you know, like, if we just step back a minute, you know, like I I went through and my career ended in in 06 at Springfield Short Track when I wadded up for the umpteenth time and broke my back the fourth time and was just completely like I'm done. Like I'm just tired of this two year. It went on from like 98 to 2000, 2002 to 2004 to 2006. Then I would have some pretty massive injuries in each of those, each of those even numbered years every other year. I used to tell people that I could ride without a helmet on like an odd numbered year <laughs> because I never would wad up. But on an even numbered year, I was scared to do anything. That's um, crazy. Yeah. So like uh, that kind of ended. And then, um, you know, Dominic was kind of coming in then. And, and whatnot. So then I was done. And then I went onto the motocross scene and I went to go work for uh, Cole Thompson a bit. Um, and then I kind of got kind of got out of shape and fat and whatnot. And then I got back in shape and decided that one day I wanted to get wanted to pull the Harley out. It was seven years. I hadn't done anything. And there was a Canadian race. And I was like, man, I want to pull my 750 back out. And I told Michelle and she's like, absolutely not. And I said, well, you can either get in the van tomorrow or you can stay home. And I'm just going <laughs> to ride the vet class. So I went to this half mile. I hadn't ridden the thing, but I was in crazy, crazy good shape. And that would have been like shortly after I had seen you and kind of, we hung out the one in 15 at Daytona. Or no, it was a little bit before that. Remember we were bicycling with Jared. Jared's man. I was Jared's man friend that two weeks just training with him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. So, 
in that little era, I'd kind of gotten back into shape and, and started riding a little bit back at home. And, uh, anyways, long story short, I won a few races and say 14 and then 15, I think I went to five races and won four and got a, got a seventh or something. And, but I would never, this was on the Canadian scene. And I was, you know, I told myself I was done with the U S for good. Never going to go back there. Um, but I was just kind of had the itch and I was in shape and it was kind of cool. Cause I was riding my Harley and I'd learned so much from that time off from 2006 well, you had your family and your, your kids got, they were getting yeah. older. They got to watch it. Yeah. 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 My, yeah. My boy was growing up and, but I was also helping out on the suspension end of things. You know, like when I got hurt, I turned the, turned my suspension, um, knowledge into business and then started helping knees and Smith and cool bath and a bunch of those guys and learned a lot from them. And then when I came back and I started riding again, I was applying a lot of stuff that I was helping those guys with into my own riding plus being in like wicked shape just being older and more mature and thinking different and man it was like i really looked back and thought it would have been awesome to know what i knew then when you were back younger. when i was when i was younger racing and know how to train like that cross training and being really strong in different areas that i was lacking back then so i rode you know 14 15 16 in the canadian scene and dominic had came back again as well and this is where that was going with Dominic was, so he came back and, you know, he was crazy fast there for a while. Just insane to where sometimes when we were head to head at a Canadian track, if it was prepped like full cushion, I couldn't touch him. Like I couldn't touch him. And I was just brutally honest about it. He was just way too fast and I couldn't go that fast. I needed the track to be a little bit more technical to where it would be like a cushion, but then there was a little Slick. bit of a groove at this yeah, exit, yeah, yeah. just a tiny little bit, bit of a piece that you can catch here and grab half a second there. Cause you put your wheels on that, you roll the throttle back, you step on the rear brake and you hook the tire up and off it goes again. So I need it. You know, if it was just balls to the walls wide open, nobody was beating that guy. And he showed it the, you know, that night at Lima when he, when he thumped everybody. Um, so anyways, Dominic came back and we would shoot, shoot the shit. And same thing. He'd had some kids, he'd had two boys and he was a dad now. And, he was back playing around on a Rotax and same thing. I remember him coming up to me in 16 and just going, dude, like you're insanely fast right now. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh man, coming from this guy's mouth. I well, said, you're, you're, fixed. you're definitely like, you know, you're probably in better shape now than you were when you raced and you're, you know, 20, 15 years, yeah, older, 20 years older, for man. So. Sure, back there in 15, 16. And then, to finish off what happened in 16 was I would all, I would never hit round one at the Canadian nationals because if I hit round one and did well, then I, then suckered I feel like in, I would get, yeah. yeah, I get suckered in on that fishing line and I'd come back in for one more run. So in 14, 15, I would never go to the first couple rounds and then I'd show up and I'd win. And then I'd go home and then I'd literally on a Friday night, call somebody that owns some four fifties and be like, Hey dude, put my number plates on he's like it's eight o'clock on a friday night i'm like just i'll be there click hang up the phone and i'd show up and i'd win and you know taylor and seguin and a bunch of the guys were like what in the hell man and they never knew when i was going to show up and that was the crazy thing is they're like oh he's not coming to this one. Oh, he's here and in 16 i went to round one and i won and i'm like nah and uh so i'm like ah you know what Lawrence has got the number one plate. I'll stick around and, you know, make his life hard for him this summer and see what I got for the kid. And uh, ended up winning the championship, but in a tough way because at the very last round, 
I needed one more point and I would have clinched the championship prior to the last round. And it was this nasty, slippery stock car track that I didn't like that was up Dougie Lawrence's alley. And we went and tested at this place. We'd never ridden there before. And it literally was like ice with no screws. And uh, long story short, when I, I didn't even stick to my plan. My plan was to start the main event and do one lap and pull off. And that would have got me like eight points. So I would have won the championship. And I was going to go back to the pit area, crack a Guinness, and have a beer and, and say sayonara again. Like, take my number one plate, go home, and you guys are never going to see me again. And I went out in the dash for cash right before that because I was so off pace all day and I made all kinds of changes and I won the dash for cash. And I was like, ah, shit, man. Plans are changing. I'm going to go try to win the main event. And, dude, I got to turn two off the start and my shit snapped sideways and flicked me off the motorcycle and I got ran over by three guys. Oh, and shit. I thought this hospital. story was going differently. I thought you were going to no, win. No, man. It's, it, yeah. it, it continued on with like how nasty my career has been so up and down for me. So here I am getting getting shuffled into the back of an ambulance with a broken back again, a broken hand, a broken leg, a broken collarbone, you know, internal shit going on. And I had won my number one plate. <laughs> <laughs> in the hospital <laughs> in the hospital yeah. literally when i finally woke oh, up you know a day or two later i got a picture of somebody giving me a number one plate and i'm all got neck braces on and shit plugged into me everywhere and i'm thinking man this is such a rough game i've chose and that was uh an even year right that was 16 you said and i was 16 another yeah. one of those well it's 20 years, it's man. 23 bro you could get your license and That's go it. uh go do some race um I, <laughs> you think they'll let me out there <laughs> Oh, for well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, mean, they, I thought you got to jump some crazy hoops nowadays. Uh, I don't know. I think I'd they're have just, to talk. I'd have to talk to B. Smith and be like, I think man. they're looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'd probably get you in. I mean, I think they're you looking for entries, space. honestly. But uh, no doubt, I got a. Uh, we do a high low line here where I ask kind of this or that and a uh, brief exp brief explanation on uh, on why. Um, I had one more question I wanted to ask you about. Uh, trying to see here all right we'll yeah, just when go you get me talking when you get me talking it never ends man. no nah, it's it's really good info um well yeah no i know what i was gonna ask like what are your before we'll do this last segment but what did you um what are your thoughts on kind of the series right now and and more so the riders because um like the riders now like the the quantity is not there but um you know like there's there's really good riders that are still racing it's just not as many and you know you've raced in you know a a really populated era where there was tons of good guys, um, you know, and you're really good friends with me. You help out with his race. You're obviously your buddies with Brian and, and the other guys as well. So uh, honestly, like what are your thoughts on the talent level right now? And, and maybe the series a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't like what I see as far as the small numbers in the main events and the twins and the way that kind of, you know, the way the whole series structure um is as far as you're, you don't you don't have the depth of the field you don't have those riders like we had back in the day um but i mean the guys up front they're still as fast as ever they're still as fast as the best that we had back you know back when i was doing it or back prior to even scott parker like the fast of the fast are still always going to be the fast so you got 10 guys maybe you only have um you know, 12 or 15 people in the main event nowadays, but for sure, like seven, you know, one through seven there 
them are some pretty fast dudes. And then same thing, you got like eight, nine, sometimes that occasionally could pop in and throw a win up there. And that was the same thing back years ago with me is we'd, we'd sometimes in a year see nine new first time winners in a, in a year. Yeah, you know, that, so there made, was, that made it exciting too. Just yeah, it did, yeah. it did. Like somebody could just show up out of nowhere like I did and boom, that guy just smoked everybody. Yeah. And never did it again type of thing. Um, so yeah, the, the talent's still rock solid. And I mean, there's, I look at it a little bit different because like you said, I'm buddies with me. So I talk to Jared, you know, daily type of thing. And uh, we talk about that still. Um, he, he has, he's, you know, he saw a little bit of the tail end of what I was doing, you know, riding in, in, in the late, in the two thousands when he came in. So he got to, he got to go through some of that XR 750 era and there was a little bit of money there. And then, you know, for sure, I look at it now, like for him or for a guy to make the most money in flat tracking, it's him. It's, he's the guy. And he came into this era when Indian just had this, you know, boatloads of cash that they were throwing out there and he's reaped the rewards huge and good for him. Yeah. You know, like, no, yeah, he's good for him at, at that part of the game. He's the, he's the best probably to ever do it. I mean, he's, he's yeah, definitely he's made yeah, the most he's, money as, yeah. as bad as he is with spelling and other shit. Like you would think he's not very intelligent. <laughs> the guy's low key, really smart. Like he's, he's no, got to figure it out for sure. Say that all the time. Like I used to help Jared out so many different ways. Like, um, when, you know, we rode together as a team for a couple of years. And then the minute I got hurt in 06. So in 07, he reached out through the winter, 06, 07, through that winter. And he said, hey, dude, uh, would you help me build a 450 framer? And I said, absolutely, man. Because he was living over in Michigan and only hour and 20 minutes from the hour 15. So he would come over to my shop here. And we built his, if you remember how cool that uh, red, that red, white, and blue Honda that he yeah, built. Yeah, the factory Honda. Number 21. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the factory. Yep. We built that here at my yeah. place. So literally, like, took mounts, you know, cut mounts off that frame, changed stuff to like I did. Because he rode he rode a couple of my bikes at some Canadian races, and he was looking, looking at how I built a Rotax at one time. He's like, man, like, look at this crazy stuff, how you've got things mounted. I said, yeah, you know, you got a lathe and a, and a welder and a, and a milling machine. You could do some cool shit. So – we built a bike and became super good friends. And then, you know, through 2009 and whatnot, it helped suspension program on his team and just became, you know, really awesome friends. So yeah, it's like, I watched the progression of me leaving a really, really tough era to, you know, a, a decent era still for a while. And then, yeah, when that whole thing changed with AFT and they were, struggling to try to decide which route they were going to go to try to help thought track it, in my eyes it didn't help it you know they they've um eliminated so many people but not only that it was just progression of the cost of living the cost to do things the cost to go racing was pushing the small guys out anyways you know fuel just keeps going through the roof but the average wage does not increase with the cost of living and that's the problem nowadays. It's just like people, it's a hard, it's, it's a hard to go racing at that level at the AMA GNC level on a twin anymore, especially when the Indians came in, 
You know, like well, everybody used to bitch about yeah. everybody used to bitch about the XR750. Oh, it costs so much money to maintain it. Blah blah blah. blah. Well, it was peanuts compared to an Indian. Yeah. Well, I think too a lot of uh, and we've talked about it on the pod a few times, but I think there's probably seven or eight singles guys, maybe six at least that would probably move up if there was better opportunities on a twin to make more money, but they're getting, you know, their salary paid riders right now in the singles class with, you know, triple contingency bonuses. Like why would they move up? Like there's no, no, I look at, there's no, I look at the singles. I look at the singles class and man, like I tell me, I'm like, dude, you wouldn't want to go back and fight in that class right now. Or you just wouldn't. And there's tons of twins guys would be like, Nope. Don't want anything to do with that class. It's a way different and, ride uh, style. Like it's it's a way yeah, different ride style, yeah. and it's and it's uh, it's got some talent, man. The kids yeah. are fast, you know. The yeah. kids are fast, and they're not scared to turn the follow hard. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, no. I was just curious. Like you've been around, like the era. I mean, you were you've you've seen a lot of shit, man. Like you've the it, the, the singles class changes alone like from the road what you guys do 600s at one point and then it was back to 500 505s to yeah. 50 framers yeah, and you had to make your right. rotex a 450 and then dtx bikes and stick some washers in the carb and yeah and then yeah the, then the dtx bikes and yeah i went through it all that way yeah um so the high low line questions i, I only have four um I'm going to just throw, throw her this or that and give me a brief reason for, for the, for why, but, uh, all time. Great. Maybe you're biased, but Meese or Parker. Um, Parker. All right. What are your thoughts on, I've asked this question a few times. If the schedule was different, that's a tough one. You know what? If I think if I go back, maybe not, let me readjust that one. I'd have to say when, if I think about it a little bit longer, no, I'd have to say maybe beams now because I was thinking about some of Parker's accomplishments, his number of wins, but so much of that was on an XR 750, one brand with one factory. Um, where I think of now when I think about that question, you know, Mies has had to deal with sometimes doing it on, on a, on a 450, on a twin, bunch of different stuff, changing to a different brand of Indian. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a toss up. It's such, that's such a, I don't know. Well, the schedule back then was so different too. Like it's not really talked yeah, about like, enough, but you guys didn't like in the nineties, there was one TT, right? One TT. We did one Peoria. Every once in a blue moon, there was like, they'd throw some other wonky TT and like we'd go to Castle Rock or we'd go to, uh, I don't even know if the San Jose one. No, I don't think that was a national. But yeah, one TT, maybe two short tracks, a pile of half miles and a pile of miles. A lot of miles, thing too. yeah. Yeah, like we learned to ride a mile way, you know, way sooner could you could you have your mile craft than say you could growing up because we ran 10 to 12 miles a year. Oh, dude, Where... the night before my first mile, I didn't sleep. I was like fucking scared. I was nervous. <laughs> and yeah, then like, it... we rode so many yeah. and we rode them as we rode them as juniors too. Like when, when I did the junior class on a twin, I got to ride all the miles. So then when I showed up, you know, first year expert, I'd already been to most of the miles in, as a junior. So I had some information to build off of already. So yeah, like it was such a different era between like who was, who was the king then, who was the king now, but 
Well, Carr was such yeah, a, a well-rounded rider, but he never had, he never, there wasn't any really TTs as one a year, pretty much, you know, in short tracks where, you know, the miles, the rough and tumble, get it on miles. There was a lot of those and Scotty just did, he didn't lose those races. So it was. Yeah. Like, they're all badass. And I said that, like you get some of the, so got some of the people on, on social media that, you know, chirp jared for this that and the next that oh scott parker would clean your clock and everything it's like man any dude that goes out there and throws his motorcycle around for a whole season and straps the number one plate on his bike for the next year yeah is a certified badass well if social like, media existed when scotty was winning they would have hammered him and said more or uh spring scene was better you know it's like yeah, the yeah. current guy out there is not popular it's yeah it's, it's yeah. like people hate lebron james they love michael jordan but then when michael jordan was playing yeah. they liked you know yeah. magic john you know it's that's it it's yeah, like people it's, just love 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 to slam the guy that's that's the yeah. best at the time and that's yeah. just standard Jared's an easy like, target too so it's uh yeah get, for sure no i do <laughs> um <laughs> You get so yeah, um, uh, that one I'm up in the air still. I don't know, like I said, it's debatable. Explain it a bit better. Yeah, it's debatable, but next, um, you get one rear wheel size for the entire season. Are you doing a three, ooh, three inch, right? Three inch, okay. You're not a well, you're a pitch it in kind of guy, so you're probably not a three and a half inch. Nah, man, three and a half on the miles only, okay. Um, I never, uh, that was funny because yeah, I, my go-to was always a WM5, three inch. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I always, I ride different style, but I, I like the, I'm more, I use more of the three and a half inch than I did the three. And I can but, see that the way you ride. Yeah. Yeah. The way you ride, the way you, you hang off the bike a little bit more, keep your bike upright on a fat part of the tire. Yeah. I can see you being a three and a half guy where I'd like to like burn it in push the motorcycle down on the edge yeah slide it pick pick it back up for traction and yeah, I like um it. yep no for sure like that's a funny question because tons of people would always be like man you got a wm5 on yep didn't like six tried it did not like it today <laughs> so uh well you had me add one when you were talking about pirelli so uh best cushion tire um continental or pirelli for cushion rear uh i guess are you talking well, well you said the pirelli, was pirelli, it only the pirelli, pirelli fronts front. or yeah, oh, okay so you best cushion thinking. rear um for me 100 be a max a cd5 okay yeah, yeah there's I a, a funky, i had a funky cut that i would do to that thing um that i, I kind of like perfected and learned up here and it was funny because uh that same cut that same tire Jared and I were at Springfield TT in this would have been like, say through 13, 14, 12, 13, 14, maybe um, somewhere in there when I kind of started riding again, after that long delay, he would let me come and ride his singles, his 450 Hondas at say the TT in the short track. Oh, the night with before yeah. on those. Yeah. On those Steve Nace races. And yeah. And he liked, you know, because he actually, even for a bit there, like I wasn't doing the suspension. It was Jimmy Wood stuff. And Jared would still be like, no, dude, come and ride my bikes with me. And he would have one that would have a habit crank, one that have a light crank. And we would decide which one, you know, worked the best. And I'd help him work through the motorcycle and set it up and make changes. And the one night he was like, oh, we both like the light crank. And 
He goes, well, you can ride it. I'm like, no way, man. No way am I riding your good bike. And I ball the thing up right before your main event. <laughs> and uh, So I'm like, I can still totally win on this one or do just as good on this one over here. So I'll ride the heavy crank. So I had gone out and cut my tire like I would have in a Canadian race with that Maxxis CD5. And, you know, there was still a bunch of it. There was Carver and Wiles and everybody there. It was a 25-lap main event for Steve Nace. And Mies came in, and I'm like, dude, switch tires right away, right now. And Craig Rogers is like, what are you doing? I'm like, stand back. <laughs> I'm still sweating, <laughs> dripping buckets. I'm like, fire up the groover. And I'm like, two, 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 punching his tire out like I would do mine. And Craig's like, what are you doing? I'm like, stand back. And uh, I'm like, go, 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 go. And he literally just like got him out on the track at the last minute. Dude, he thumped on Wiles that night. That's uh, a lot. It was, yeah, that yeah was, it was pretty that's cool. hard to do he, that was hard to do man that was hard to do henry was he, yeah he didn't yeah. have he didn't have henry speed all day and it was like i'd found something with that tire for my main event which was right before his and which was i was riding like 450a and uh literally like came in might have even given my tires like used the same tire that had heat in it flipped it and then cut the other side the way i did and it looked kind of swiss cheese-ish that's and, uh, that's cool. Yeah, and he went out and was like, comes back in, and goes, "Wow!" <laughs> Just looks at me and goes, "Wow!" I'm like, "Yeah, man, that's the cut that I would do at home all the time and say a cushion trap." So yeah, Maxis for sure all day long. Uh, well, that I actually have a, a tire cut related one. Um, I have two more for you uh, at Lima. You either get a chance to cut your tire or run. A bike unrestricted if it's typically let's let's say the bike's restricted but would you rather have an unrestricted twin let's say a harley or a indian or would you rather be able to cut your tire mm. if it's the way i've been prepping the track the last few years a cut tire yeah <laughs> dude you guys been yeah. crushing it i've uh i used to not really like lima like for some reason i just never liked you know i like cushions and I never liked Lima. And when you guys started prepping it, you guys brought more drags in and it's like fucking great. Like it's, it's, yeah, I'm going to miss, it's bittersweet, one. man. I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss running Lima. Like that's good. That one's going to hurt this year watching like that was, yeah. Yeah. Like when I first came in and was, it was running the kind of was took over the track there. Um, in that first year that the knees promotion jumped in. Um, we had we we do we do that little sun delay and it was my choice. I had a greater guy and we'd already we'd already kind of done a trial run to see how fast he could blade because you know how Lima gets brushed off and then it gets that wall. It gets like that six eight inch wall. Oh, it gets like really rough up top, but yeah. like almost like a wall. Like it brushes up and then gets this ledge that in the ledge is quite a ways through the corner that you can't effectively get in. And get across that ledge and be in control. Well, the corner is so speed. round too, so it's like, yeah, you can't really just flip it into that and turn it. You got to kind of, yeah, yeah, no. So, I was, yeah. I anyways, I ran around and I had my guy, my greater guy, was like fired up, great as warm, and I ran around the pits real quick because I and I and I took a quick pull between say five guys, so from fastest to slowest of random dudes, and I said, hey guys, I'm gonna go fix the track right now during the sun break. Um, and I'm going to take that ledge down. But if I can only get one corner done, what does everybody want? And everybody pretty much said turn one and two. Because yeah. two gets so messed up, it fires you into the fence, right? Robinson's broke. Is, you know, so many people have caught their foot to their feet. 
yeah. on, that, on yeah. that fence. So we ended up getting both ends and, and then dragged it out. So when we started the next, the last three main events, dude, it was balls to the walls, wide open from top to bottom. And, you know, I told where in the past, I've run into some situations where when I was still racing, you know, and, and I'll bring more head into this one where he was on his way out, but he had some, he had some, uh, clout with the AMA and, and especially on some of the racetracks that him and Stoltenberg were promoting to not prep the top of the racetrack. And I said, man, when you were my age, you want every inch all the way to the straw bale, dude. And you would be fired up if a promoter or whoever left that last quarter of the racetrack drier than dry so that nobody could use it. And they did that at Lima one year. And I was so upset. I was like, guys, like, who are you to decide where we run as a kid? And yeah. anyway, so when I came in, I'm like, I'm giving that back to everybody. If somebody wants to run six inches from them airbags, run six inches from their airbags. I'll prep it right to the airbags. And that's a little bit different too. You know, we've got airbags now to where with straw bales or there was barely any straw bales back in the day. Straw bales hurt. You know, you just, yeah, like, believe me. The first time I ever crashed into a straw bale, I'm like, oh, this won't hurt. This this thing's probably pretty uh, soft and you fucking hit it. It's like, wow, that was not what I expected at all. Right. So anyways, it's super cool. And I take pride in giving, you know, giving Lima, giving the guys a pretty badass racetrack. And it's a tricky one because it's big gravel. It's it's hot, sunny. It's June, you know, like it's almost July, so the weather's against you. And yeah, um, yeah we spend a lot of time. Like we're out there till midnight, midnight and a half, sometimes one a.m. on the Friday night. You know, what finishing it, what the it prep, takes. and then yeah. and it does. You got to like Lima's a funny racetrack that you can't you can't really work it during sunup. Like probably if you guys remember, you showed up this year and everybody we'd screwed up we started a day early and we packed the track in almost like, like concrete by mistake because it was hot. And, and it was and great and though. It, so whatever you did, no, whatever you did up, in that time frame, I, I like it was bad. I didn't go to bed, man. <laughs> I literally, I literally was in a tractor just burning diesel, trying to rip that thing back up to no end. And my guys who helped me do the calcium and get it all prepped out, they were just like, dude, when are we going to start working? I'm like, we're not ready yet. And uh, it was just like, just, I was ripping the track to no end to try to get it back. So I was like, man, I've wrecked it right now. It's, everybody's going to kill me tomorrow. Uh, anyways, and it, it came around, you know, and that's it. it was just, oh, it's it was just, awesome. Uh, yeah. It's not being scared to work. No, nah, I play. No, and that's what it takes. And that's like a, with track prep too. It's like, if you put the effort in, man, like just staying up late, like some people are just like, oh, you know, it's time to go home. It's, and the track's still shitty. It's like, yo, we got to race tomorrow. Like, so, put that time yeah, in so, and let's do yeah, it. So, so for the way, the way that I want to prep it, I'd take the cut tire. Cut tire. Okay. Restricted bike. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I would, I think cut tires are actually really underrated on cushions. So, um, yeah. the guy that can ride a cushion track and knows how to cut his tire. It's a big advantage. Last question here for you. Uh, so you rode for Johnny Goad. We've, we've established that. And Jared is, uh, Jared's a really accomplished wrestler. So you got to pick one in a wrestling match. You going with Johnny Goat or you going with Jared Meese? Oh, Johnny Goat all day long. <laughs> <laughs> he would crush the kid. We usually ask Meese. We used to ask like Meese or Wiles, but I just know like I, I threw a wild card in there. And I mean, Johnny Goat's what? He's probably like 70 years old. You know, he's still, still a pit bull, man. Still pick he's Johnny Goat. 
just yeah. picking up XR you motors know, like they're fucking XR 100. Oh man, he he. Uh, there was an incident on the track back at Daytona State Municipal where um, I got into it with a rider and <laughs> the rider's mechanics firing rocks at me on the last two laps of the scratchy. Because you know how how gnarly municipal is. You got a hundred again. You had hundred and twenty guys, and they were going to knock sixty out, and sixty were going to go to the night show. And then from sixty to the night show, they were only taking sixteen to the main. Like it was a cutthroat shit. Yeah. So if you had to bump somebody out of the way in a scratchy to get it to get in, you did. And I, and so bam, you know, so and so goes down. <laughs> I come off the pit gate. Buddy's mechanics there, and, uh, and he's in my face, and, and um, I'm like, "Hey, man, send your rider over here. He's plenty big enough to deal with this himself." And uh, I spun around, and dude's shoulder, dude grabs my shoulder, and by the time I spun around, this is riding for Johnny Goad. So by the time I spun around to see who grabbed me, I look over, and uh, the dude's laying on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do another 180. I look to see who hit him, and Johnny's standing there like total pit bull, and he's got his fists up, and he'd already swung, and he knocked the guy like, <laughs> and the guy was like one hit, boom, on the ground, half out of it, and I was like, whoa, 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 spun around, grabbed Johnny. I'm like, look at dude, I'm 31, I can handle my shit. Back up. <laughs> Johnny wanted a shot. It was like, fun. Johnny's like, nobody touches my rider. Nobody and, touches uh, my rider, boy. Nobody touches my rider, boy. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, and anyways it got like it even escalated from there the cops showed up and oh, showed johnny with the salt and i'm like stop let the boys handle like, it i said that's it i said man quit being and told the guy that got, got his lights smacked i said quit being a pussy and deal yeah. with this yeah. i said don't ever touch johnny goat again he'll lock he'll light you up yeah, so, yeah i think that's pretty johnny well knowledge goat. yeah jimmy yeah johnny goat johnny goat would thump jared and jared knows it <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't want to. If I was in a bar fight and Johnny was there, I, he'd be the first guy I'd go stand next to. That's yeah. for sure. Him and Travis, Travis Smith, or he's, any of those guys. he's awesome. Like I rode for a few guys. I rode for you know Greg Crow and in the U.S. And so I mean, for my Harley deal for a long time with with Brian Olson and the Harley Canada guys. Then split ways, went to Style Master, and then did um, Greg Crow for a couple of years. Yep, with the Gardner yep. guys, and then went to Johnny. And I still say to this day that, you know, Johnny would make me believe that I could win on a tricycle. <laughs> He's a really out. good motiv motivational speaker, man. Yeah, like, like fires you off up. his motorcycle or whatever. And that was like our parting ways. But um, yeah, he would make you believe that you could win on a tricycle or he would do certain things to show you you could win, you yeah. know, on whatever. And yeah, yeah like. Yeah, there was like that would be a whole nother episode to talk about those stories with Johnny Goad. Oh yeah, dis maybe we'll we'll get disconnecting you on. my brakes. We'll have to get you on for uh our uh, after hours pod or something one of these days. Di but uh, yeah, disconnecting my brakes to show me that I was on my brakes. Oh, he actually oh, did that. Shit. You're saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We were um. So my I'll let you go last a little bit. But my my little guy, he started riding a Cobra, and he's used to the handbrake on the Peta, but his little foot on the Cobra, he can't like bend his toe down to hit the brake. So he takes yep. his foot off and he heels the brake and then he puts his boot back on. And, but when he heels the brake, he like stink bugs it and it gets all yeah. like out of shape. And the we're object, trying to, 
we're trying to get him to be smooth on it. And the Cobras are fast. My wife, Amber, she goes, serious as can be. She comes up to me. She's like, hey, cut his brake line. I'm like, what? I'm not cutting his fucking brake line. She was like, <laughs> dead serious. Like, hey, just cut his brake line. I'm like, no. Just introduce not- some air into it. Just make yeah. it a little mushier. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fine. But she's like, just cut his cut brake lever. Brake I'm like, line. no, I'm not cutting our five-year-old's brake lever. It's, it's not that serious. <laughs> Woman. Go back to taking times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so funny. But uh appreciate you coming on, man. This was a lot of fun, and uh the fans are going to dig it. And I guess uh I'll see you here soon, right? You're coming down to Daytona? Yeah, 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 yeah. Leaving here in a week, so um be right. down there and flying my little guy down. He's 14, so going to throw a couple motocross bikes in the truck. Going to come down there and uh, tune some suspension and um, burn let some me know when you, motocross track. Yeah, let me know where you guys are motoring, too. I don't, I don't have – you know, I'm not training the race this year, so I'll, I'll come spend some laps with you guys and hang out. I can't believe your little guy's 14, man. That's yeah, well, he's, he's not little. He's bigger than me now. You'll see. No like, shit. Oh, oh yeah. He's taller. We're in size 11, so you'll just uh, chuckle when you see him. I hate it. I hate I hate if, time. If you recognize him. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. Well, again, man, I appreciate you coming on, and you're a busy guy. Thanks for taking the time. And, uh, yeah, dude, it's been fun. I'll, I'll chat you soon. Sounds good. All right. See you, Steve. See you, Corey. Steve Beatty, guys. Man, that was a rad show. Was, we could have chatted for for a long time. So many really cool things with uh with his career and things he's got going on now. And man, there's so much like, you know, like we didn't even talk about the Lima stuff till the end. But yeah, he's he's helping me prep Lima and he's just doing a lot of really cool things with the sport. So yeah, it was cool having uh having another Canadian on and and chatting with him about some of the riders up there that we don't hear about too often like Azeltine and Dominic and uh, he mentioned John Parker early in the show. So yeah, really, really cool stuff. Want to make sure we shout out a few more of these sponsors that make this, make this pot happen week in and week out. Indian motorcycle since 1901 Indian motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Check out their line of motorcycles. Go test, ride a bike, the FTR rally, the scout bobber, the chief, the challenger, Big supporters of American Flat Track, Moto America, Super Hooligan Racing, and much more. They did announce that their contingency. So I think in the last podcast a couple of days ago, I I didn't see the contingency. And then literally like a couple hours later, they announced the uh the contingency and some support for Jared Meese. So so that's really cool that they're involved. I think it's still 7,500 to win on the FTR 750. And then it's 25 grand to win the title in flat track. And then they also have a really good contingency program for the king of the baggers in moto america so yeah big supporters of what we're doing thank you gary gray and everybody at indian motorcycle who support the sport it's really cool uh i mentioned king of baggers moto america we're we're coming to the home stretch before the daytona 200 really looking forward to that march 11 2023 uh, baggers are going to be in town twins cup super hooligan racers if you're in bike week, come check out the race, man. The Daytona 200 is so much fun. The tailgate, hang out, uh, take, bring a pit bike or a golf cart, check out different parts of the track. Uh, if you can't be there, Moto America Live Plus on their website. It's really good coverage. Check that out. Follow them on social media. They're doing a lot of really, really, they're crushing it on social media. They're comparable to what NASCAR has in terms of views and numbers. So they are absolutely crushing it. Uh, Jerry Stinchfield, big, big shout out to Jerry. We appreciate you for everything you do for the sport and for the podcast. Nearly 40 years of experience. 
Check out his website at commercialroofsystems.net. Real Estate Rispoli, hit up James Rispoli for your Florida house. Anywhere in Florida, specifically Central, East Coast, Florida. If you're looking for an Airbnb, winter home, if you're looking to move to Florida, James Rispoli, find him on social media. He got heaps of text messages from Robbie Bobby uh, dropping his number in the last pot. He's like, bro, people keep blowing me up. So uh, it was pretty funny. But yeah, hit hit James up and buy a house, buy a couple houses uh, Manscaped. Appreciate Manscaped for supporting what we're doing. If you want to be shaved down like a baby seal and save uh, save time on the on the bicycle, on the racetrack, in the pool, uh, check out their their website, manscaped.com. Use the code TANKSLAP20, 20% off and free shipping worldwide. It's a shaver, baby. It's a shaver with a flashlight. It's got a 7,000 RPM quiet stroke motor. <laughs> just it's a monster so make sure you, you check that out all the fans that listen to the pod much love appreciate it subscribe on soundcloud itunes and spotify working on preview stuff for the year we're hoping to do a banger a couple bangers actually when we're down here during bike week trying to work out those details do another video pod but uh in the meantime keep subscribing keep keep liking commenting give us some feedback and that's a wrap baby We'll talk to you uh, next time. We out.